Hi, I'm Chris McBrien. And I'm Derek Myers. Here at Pop Goes Your World, we've received a lot of great feedback on how much people enjoy the trivia segments that we do at the end of every episode. So we've decided to go back and put together compilations of the Fun with Yancey and Fun with Caveman segments we've done over the years as a set of bonus episodes. We hope you enjoy the fun. Episode 5, Guilty Pleasures. Fun with Yancey. Okay, so this this week I'm going to be asking you questions, Yancey. I'm going to try and keep it to like a lot of guilty pleasure type stuff, especially for my generation. See if you can guess some of the guilty pleasures that we had you know, when I was growing up, okay? So the first one. This is a game, okay? It was developed in 1973, but became popular in the 80s, okay? And it had, like, countless players all across the world. But very few uh, of them, uh, I think, seemed willing to admit, you know, that they like playing the game. So, therefore, it is, it's the ultimate guilty pleasure game. So, because there was no board and the game just consisted of rolling these really weird-shaped dice and, you know, it portrayed adventures and stuff like that, uh, it was seen by some parents and authority figures as an occult plot. Can you oh, name God. the game? So it has no board. No board. It originated in the 70s, but it's popularized in the 80s. Is that what you said? Yep. Yep. And it's about you portraying adventures and stuff like that. And, you know, like I say, some parents thought it was, uh, you know, a bit of an of an occult thing. There was even movies made about it. A movie with Tom Hanks came out about it, about it being a really weird game. And, and nobody, a lot of people wouldn't admit, because if you admitted that you liked playing this game, you were like a total nerd, right? Uh, that was the idea. Can you name the game? Uh, I can't. I don't know. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. See, honestly, that was my first guess, but I thought Dungeons and Dragons was like a card-based game. No, no, no. Not pure, at all. Purely imaginary. Yep. Okay, on to the next one. Um, now, I mentioned Saved by the Bell of the College Years as one of my guilty pleasures. God, I love the show. Um, now, I know you were only born in, in 88, right? Correct. But Saved by the Bell has been play, replayed and replayed in syndication a ton over the years. So you've definitely been able to see it. So here's my question. You've, 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 you've seen the show, obviously, right? Yeah, I, I've seen a handful of episodes. Okay, yeah. good. On the original series, the gang all used to hang out at a diner where they'd eat food and socialize. What was the name of the diner? Oh, sh- I even remember seeing the window. Don't they always, like, pan out to, like, the, the logo? Yep. Uh I can't remember. But what is it, Christopher? It's the Max. The Max. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That um, feels right. Okay, so this TV show ran from 1978 to 1984 on ABC. It featured the characters Mr. Rourke, who was pl- portrayed by Ricardo Montalban, and his pint-sized sidekick Tattoo, played by Hervé Villachez. And they ran a mysterious island where people would pay. Oh, I know this. <laughs> to come for a weekend visit and live out their most elaborate fantasies. So, staying true to the formula of the '70s that we already mentioned, the guest stars each week were usually made up of very little known or little talented Z list celebrities. What was the name of the show? Uh, it's Fantasy Island. Yay! Don't tell me you watched this show. Oh, of course I have. <laughs> I think I, I think I remember seeing like one or two episodes of this on like TV Land or something, like real late at night one night, and I was like, "What is this? Yeah, what it, is? This? <laughs> it, it is a pretty bad, pretty bad seventies and eighties show, but it was popular at the time. But like you know, you wouldn't admit that you liked it, you know, unless you're like me and come on a podcast and admit stuff. Um, okay, so here's another one. This song was released in 1997. Okay, and it's been descri- described by many people as very uncool and dorky and annoying. It was written and performed by three brothers and continues to keep people bopping along to the music as a guilty pleasure almost 20 years after it first came out. What's the name of the song? Three Brothers. Yep. In 1977. Mm-hmm. 
And I feel like I should know this. And it continues to keep people bopping along to the music. 20 years later, what's this guilty pleasure song? I don't know, Chris. Who is it? The the, the band was called Hanson. What? That was 20 years ago already? Mbop, baby. Mbop. You know it. Very big, big guilty pleasure song. Okay, so one more for you, okay? This TV show ran from 1979 to 1988, so it went off the year you were born, Yancey. Okay. Uh, But I'm sure you've heard of it, though, okay? I'm going to give you lots of hints. Okay, it took place in an all-girls boarding school, and it featured uh, several girls learning about the facts of life from their school house mother, Mrs. Garrett. And the series actually at one point starred actors such as Molly Ringwald and a very young George Clooney. Can you name the show? I can see, I can see George Clooney's character. Mm-hmm. I, I like I've I've seen screenshots and stuff this before, but I can't remember the name of the show. Several girls learning about the facts of life from their schoolhouse mother, Mrs. Garrett. Can yeah. you name it? I can't do it. It's the facts of life. Oh, <laughs> of course it is. Hey, you bastard. It was dropping lots of hints on you there, hoping you would get it, but no such luck. But you've heard of the show, I'm assuming. Um, it, I mean, it sounds familiar. Oh, I, I remember seeing. More or less just just stuff from George Clooney's early career, I guess. Yeah. He had like but, long, long hair in it and he used to wear like a jean jacket and stuff like that. Uh, right. But anyway, listen, I tried to mix in a few more rec- recent ones for you this week. You know, not just all 70s and 80s stuff. You know, mm-hmm. so And I tried to give you lots of hints along the way, but it still makes it a little bit challenging for you. Anyway, I think we've embarrassed ourselves enough for one week. Episode 7, Wake Me Up Before You Pokemon Go-Go. Fun with Yancey. All right, this week I'm going to be quizzing you, Yancey. So we're going to see uh, how much you know about some of the old, old, old school video games. I'm going to give you lots of hints. We're going to make it a lot of fun, okay? Okay. So, number one, this is widely considered to be the first real, quote-unquote, video game. So the game basically consisted of two lines on either side of the screen. You had to bounce a little blip. It was supposed to be a ball. It was based on table tennis. Mm -hmm. It was such a huge success that it basically ushered in the entire video game era. Yancey... Can you name this video game? I can name this. I've actually played it on an Atari, and it's called Pong. Very good. Yes. <laughs> you, you use your paddle to, like, deflect the ball back to the other side. It just, yep. just went back and forth. And it, it does bit. get faster, too, correct? It does, it yep. It does. It yeah. gets, speeds up. It was, like, the simplest video game ever. But the thing was, it was, like, the first video game. And so, for that reason, obviously, highly influential and, uh, and really important in the history of video game development. Okay, uh, number two. This video game debuted in 1983 and it was the first to actually featured hand-drawn animation to depict the gameplay the animation was created by former disney animator don bluth and it, you were able to control the hero and his name was dirk the daring and he went through several dungeons attempting to reach the final destination of the dragon's lair where he rescued the princess daphne can you name the video game uh what were the names again the names dirk, of the characters dirk the daring and he went through the dragon to find to try and all these through these dungeons to get to the dragon's lair where he tried to rescue the princess Daphne. Oh, I feel like this is a I feel like this is some sort of as soon as you're going to say it, I know. Is it like Dragon Quest or something? It took place in a dragon's lair, actually. But it's not called Dragon Quest. No, it's called Dragon's Lair. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lots of hints for you. Okay. It was the thing was too a piece of trivia. It was the first video game I remember this in the in I used to love playing it in the arcade. It was the first video game that cost fifty cents to play. Everything up to that time was only a quarter. Really? Wow, no. pricey. Okay, so here's one for you: the Connecticut Leather Company. 
was founded in 1932, and they were like a leading manufacturer of, of all things, above-ground swimming pools. But what they did was they switched their focus to producing toys and home-based video game consoles back in the early 80s. And they came out with a wildly popular uh, line of toys called the Cabbage Patch Kids. Okay. And then they, they soon started producing home video game console, and it was known for its state-of-the-art graphics. We had one in our house, and we were like, you know, the hippest people on the block, right? Because we had this thing. So what company did the Connecticut Leather Company shorten their name to become? Connecticut Leather? Connecticut Leather Company. They shortened their name. They took their name and they shortened it to this. They took the first two letters of each of the words in their company name and they became this video game innovator. Uh, I don't know, Chris. I feel like I should know this and I the, don't. The, the first two letters of Connecticut first two letters of leather, the first two letters of company, spells Coleco. Coleco? Yes. Have you ever heard of ColecoVision? I've never heard of that, because, no. Oh, man. Like I said, I actually had one of those consoles. It was like the that's, highest quality thing going. That's it, really what it was. That was their origin story? They, they used yep. to Connecticut Leather? The Connecticut Leather Company. Yep. yep. That is so odd. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, back in the days uh, of like 8-bit video games, uh, Nintendo came up with a handheld 8-bit video game, and it was released in 1989. I realize it was a year after you were born, but mm -hmm. it was hugely successful, and it pretty much revolutionized gaming as we know it today. Can you name this handheld video device that was released by Nintendo in 1989? Was it just the original Game Boy? It was, yes. Congratulations. There you go. Okay. This highly addictive puzzle game was developed by a Russian programmer and featured falling pieces of tile puzzles, which you had to maneuver into place and have them fit into each other. And, you know, and then you go on to additional levels. And it was basically responsible for the success of the Game Boy video system. Can you name the game? Yeah, it's Tetris. Oh, you're very, very good. Oh. Nice. <laughs> the, the, the pieces that came down, they were known as Tetraminos, and you could move them sideways and rotate them and everything. It was pretty cool. I did so, not know that. Okay, one last one for you. This is an easy one, too, okay? This game was inspired by a 1982 Disney film. It was manufactured and distributed by Bally Midway. There's like 12 difficulty levels in it, and the, there's different segments in it, included things like the input-output tower, there was the M M MCP cone, battle tanks, and of course, the very popular light cycles. Can you name the video game? Chris, I have no idea. <laughs> it's a Disney film from 1982. It starred Jeff Bridges. He was trapped inside a video game, and another film was made in the ah. series in 2010. Tron. Yay! Yes, See, you Tron. can do this. Not bad, I tell you. <laughs> All right, man. So not bad. Like I say, a lot of discrepancies in video games, obviously, from your generation and my generation. My generation kind of paved the way, obviously, of video games. And man, we sure went through all the kind of ups and downs and kind of navigated the, the pitfalls of that. No two ways about it. But anyway, lots of differences, lots of fun. Video games are still as popular as they ever were, if not more so. But I tell you, back in the day, it was like, I used to go to the arcade. I used to hang out at the arcade. We'd, I'd get back home from school and we'd go to the arcade and on weekends go to the arcade and play. They had pool tables there, but it was all about the video games. It was a lot of fun. But anyway, listen, time to wrap things up. We got to get going. Episode 9, The 1990s Fun with Yancey. Okay, Yancey, I think regardless of when you're born, you know, one thing is obviously clear with you. You you love music. That's one thing. I love that's, music, that, That's yes. so true. So, and, and you're not just limited to music that's produced, you know, in your generation. You know what I mean? I no. think you're a big fan of music from the past as well. So I'm going to issue you a challenge this week. I'm going to read you some song lyrics and you name the 1990s song. What do you think? Sound good? 
Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to go as easy as I can on you, okay? Here we go. Okay. Hey, now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get paid. And all that glitters is gold. Only shooting stars break the mold. Yeah, that's all-star. Yay! Or, I'm Very sorry, that's, well, it's all-star, but it's Smash Mouth. Yeah, yeah all-star, you are correct. Yeah. Okay, here's one. Astro Lounge. Very, really, very really... good. Very good, very good. Okay, here's one. Sometimes you're crazy, and you wonder why. I'm such a baby. Yeah, the dolphins make me cry. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I'm stumped. Sometimes you're crazy, and you wonder why. I'm Keep such going, a Chris. baby, yeah, the dolphins make me cry. I cannot remember. I don't know. It's Hootie and the Blowfish. I only want to be with you. I only want to be with you. Yeah, from 95. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, don't make me sing anymore, by the way. I'm terrible. Okay, here's one. He drinks a whiskey drink. He drinks a vodka drink. He drinks a lager drink. He drinks a cider drink. He sings the songs that remind him of the good times. He sings the songs that remind him of the best times. Uh, he drinks a whiskey drink. Oh, that's a uh, tub thumping. Yay! Chumpa Yeah, from 97. Very good. Oh, see, I knew you'd do good at this. Okay, here you go. And I don't want the world to see me because I don't think that they'd understand. When everything's made to be broken, I just want, I just you, to want know you to know who, who I, I am. am. <laughs> that would be a... The the emo anthem of my high school years. Nice. That's Iris by the Google Dolls. Absolutely, it is. All right. Okay. So I'm going to leave you with an easy one here. It's from early in the decade. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, this is fun. If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. I know this. Obviously, everybody knows this one, but I know this simply because my little sister was obsessed with this song. She knows every word. She knows the dance. I mean, my, she's like obsessed with like in Living Color and like that whole era. My sister's younger than I am too, which is like really strange that she would just like gravitate towards this. But obviously, it's it's Vanilla Ice's uh, uh, Ice Ice Baby. But that's a weird one. That's a really weird song that does not age well. <laughs> Word to your mother. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> so you did really good. This Congratulations. I think you got them all except one. So that's yeah, awesome, man. Oh, boy, the 90s or something else, I tell you. Anyway, time to wrap things up, uh, Yancey. We got to go. Episode 10, Star Wars, the original trilogy. Fun with Yancey. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a couple questions on the original trilogy. You've, you've seen them all, so I'm going to keep it super easy for you, okay? Here we go. The original film was released in 1977, obviously. Was it nominated for the Best Picture Oscar at the Academy Awards that year, though? Yancey, do you know? Was it nominated for Best Picture in 1977? I think, didn't the critics basically tank the first film? So I'm going to say no, it was not. <laughs> Incorrect. It was nominated for a Best Picture Oscar in 1977. But I'll, I will let you even have a bonus question, though. Okay. okay. So I'm going to give you bonus points if you can name the movie that it lost to. In 1977? Yeah. Mm, give me a hint. Uh, Woody Allen? Oh, my gosh. I really should know this. Woody Allen, Diane Keaton? No, nope, I don't know it. It's named after her character? I don't know. Annie Hall. Annie Hall beat Star Wars. Oh. I will always remember that because as a kid, I'm like, how could this neurotic New York guy making this movie be, be better than Star Wars? What is the Academy thinking? Anyway, okay, so here's here's an easy one. This Star Wars character was named after the film editor's jargon, Real 2, Dialogue 2, name the character. Oh, it's obviously R2-D2. There you go, nice and easy one, okay? What's the name of the creature that attacks Luke on Hoth in The Empire Strikes Back? Oh, uh, it's the Yeti. What is his name? 
it's a uh i do know this okay i'll 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 nail it down is it it's either it's the sarlacc is it a wampa or a tauntaun it's a wampa it's a wampa you got yeah, it baby the tauntaun is the thing he rides on that's right i know i know you know this next one because you mentioned this already i was going to ask you about uh, han solo's famous line Right before he gets frozen in carbonite and the Empire Strikes Back, but you obviously know, know that he says, "I know, classic." And the thing is funny; it's like rumor has it that he came up with that that line as an improvisation right on the spot, but that's not entirely true. He actually discussed that line. Harrison Ford discussed that line with director Irvin Kershner in the, in his trailer before they ever shot the scene. He got Kershner's blessing on it to actually say that, and um, so. But he, they did a bunch of different takes, and he did use that one, and then you know it worked. Lucas, and the thing was, Lucas did not understand why they would leave that in the cut. Like, he's like, why? That's not funny. And and, and then audiences laughed. And, and he's like, I don't understand why audience was would laugh at that scene. It makes no sense. But if you think about it in the context of that scene, it's a pretty serious scene. Han's mm-hmm. about to get frozen and could probably die. And he's like, what are you, he's your favorite character, obviously your favorite character, right? And like, so it's a very, very, you know, there's a lot of gravita going on and a lot of gravity in that moment. And it's very serious. So it was comic relief is really how it played and the audience needed that release so but Lucas didn't quite get that anyway okay I think most people really love the character of Boba Fett the bounty hunter mm-hmm. um, what is the name of Boba Fett's spaceship oh I have no idea Chris <laughs> oh wow I thought you would know for sure it's no it, oh wow it's Slave One Slave um, One okay so you mentioned this already so during the snow battle of Hoth which is your favorite scene uh-huh what were the Imperial attack units, all-terrain armored transports, better known as? AT-ATs. See, this is where I'm 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 really curious because I've always called them at-ats. Oh my god! Always, I've always <laughs> called them at-ats. That's when I saw the movie. Those are at-ats, and they referred to them. I had the toy, the at-ats, the big you know, thing, and I've heard of some other people. And this isn't until I'm years later. I'm an adult, and someone's like, "Oh, those are AT-ATs." I'm like, "What the hell is an AT-AT?" Chris, like, how old are you? I, I, I'm 46 years old. You're 46. Okay. My yeah. mom is just turning 50 yep. uh, tomorrow, actually. Yep. And I remember the first time that she asked me what a meme was, she mm-hmm. said, so what is a meme And it's, that, <laughs> it's like that same you're, thing. You're like, like, oh, it's a character from the Drew Carey show. What are you talking about? You know, with all the makeup. <laughs> no, I'm telling you. I, I, you know what? I think we got to take a poll somehow because I actually mentioned this some to some people. And you know what? They're split. I'm not the only one. Otherwise, I've read, uh, read into other people. And they're like, no, man, it's AT-ATs. And I've been, no, man, it's AT-ATs. <laughs> but, so, but, there, but if you look at it, if it was AT-AT, it would be A dot T dot dash A dot T. It's not. It's AT dash AT. So it's AT-AT. I don't know. That's what I call it. Anyway. Um, okay. So I got one final one for you. See if you can do this one. Okay. What famous 1980s TV sitcom actor was a commander of the rebel forces on Hoth? And I'll uh, even, I'll even, I'll even make, give it multiple choice. Okay? <laughs> These are not easy at all. Oh, I thought, I don't know. <laughs> you again. snake. Okay. I'm going to give you a multiple choice. Stephen okay. Stephen Keaton from Family Ties. Michael Gross. Dan Connor from Roseanne, John Goodman, Cliff Clavin from Cheers, John Ratzenberger, or Balky from Perfect Strangers, Bronson Pinchot. Which one of those guys? What was, was number three? Uh, Cliff Clavin from Cheers, John I'm Ratzenberger. Go with, I'm going to go with Cliff. You are correct. Cliff Clavin. John you. Ratzenberger was a uh, commander of the rebel forces on Hoth. Go back and watch it. Yeah, you almost blink and you miss him, but he's there at the beginning. You see the mustache, you see him wearing the thing. I'm like, oh, hey, that's Cliff Clavin. So hey, Chris. Yep. I, I know we're up against the time clock, but I have... A- 
couple really quick trivia questions for you too. Of course, yeah, sure, yeah, of course. Put it on, yeah. What What is the real name of the planet where you find Cloud City? The real name? Bespin. Oh, wow, okay. Okay. What is the name of Luke's friend from Tatooine who was also killed during the attack on the Death Star? Uh, Biggs. So whenever they're attacking the Death Star, there are two pilots that survive. Obviously, Luke, who is the other one? Oh, Wedge Antilles. Christopher. Mm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, oh, well nice, done. Hey? Well, last one. Last oh, one. Give me another one. Sure, I'll take it. Last one. Yeah. Finish this line from the famous, only two shall be there. This is a famous quote. Only two shall be there, a master and an apprentice. One to embody power and the other to blank. Is it, that's not from the original trilogy. It's like, a, it's like the theme. They use this in like marketing and everything like that. Oh, okay. Um, Only two shall be there, a master and an apprentice. One to embody power and the other to blank. Um, abuse it? Crave it. Crave Very it. close. Oh, I, I'm telling you, that sounds like prequel crap to me, so I don't think <laughs> that's you know going to count. You know what? I will throw you that. It actually may be. But I think still, so. That, 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 is, that, that, is, that is jargon that's not coming out in the original trilogy. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. Music.